when I was, uh, Shabbat Shalom everyone and welcome and Mazel Tov when I was, uh, when I was a much younger version of myself <laughs> in school when uh, I must have been in grade three or four and it's such a vivid memory actually. We were uh, covering the uh, various Parshiot HaShavuah, the various weekly Torah portions that unfold obviously week by week. And uh, when we came to this week's Torah portion, which is known as Parshat Mishpatim, I remember our teacher standing in the room and saying, well, the good times are over. Meaning, effectively what? Everything of the Torah prior to this Shabbat was filled with stories. Stories of the creation of the physical universe and of humanity. Stories of the great patriarchs and matriarchs of family strife and rancor, of people making war and then making peace, of individual internal struggles and reconciliations with the outside world. We hear of the struggles of Abraham and of Isaac, of Jacob's remarkable transformation, of Joseph facing some of the most dire and difficult circumstances only to emerge through the other side at a remarkable pinnacle of his life, of a people enslaved, of people suffering infanticide and torture who were freed, not by mere political means, the Torah tells us, but through remarkable divine intervention. This people is then, we are told, are brought to Mount Sinai in the middle of the Sinai Desert. It is there that they receive the divine law, not given to them by email or fax or in a letter, but in a remarkable staged moment of both thunder and lightning all the drama, the Sturm und Drung, as the Germans would say, surrounded the moment of the giving of the Torah. And then this morning, what do we arrive at? We arrive at the Torah portion that is amongst the very largest in our collection. It, it however, has one particular, one particular thing of note amongst many, but this one stands above them all. It has the most mitzvot, the most commandments in the entire Torah. Of the 613 commandments that are of biblical origin, many, many thousands more have been a creation. But of the 613 of biblical origin, 53 of them were read this morning. I'll put it to you like this. This is a copy of the printed Torah. By comparison, in the rabbinic world, the Talmud alone, which is a collection of discussions and annotations and organizations of biblical law and creations of rabbinic law, there are 63 volumes of the Talmud alone, which means that if you created a scale and put the Torah on one end and the Talmud on the other, it would be 63 times what I have in my hand now. The fact of the matter is I toyed with the idea of bringing an entire collection of Talmud and assembling it on the Bema this morning. I pulled my back this week, it wasn't possible. But I definitely toyed with the idea to show to you exactly what the comparison would look like. Just how different, in fact, it is. The Torah contains about 300,000 words in it. The Talmud, we are told, no one's actually counted it, but some record I remember reading in excess of five million words. So my teacher, in fact, was correct. 
Beginning this morning, all the great stories that frame the biblical narrative, they're really over. And what we now emerge ourselves into is a long, winding, many-month journey into the stories of laws and sacrificial worship, all the grinding details that form what we understand to be ancient biblical Judaism. This morning, the first mitzvah that we read following the giving of the Ten Commandments frames it perfectly. It reads as follows. These are the laws that I'm placing before you today, God says to Moses. That if you acquire a Hebrew slave, they will only work for six years. On the seventh year, they will go free. What is law? Law, in many respects, is the most divine of projects that humans engage in. I'm not just saying because, Stephen, you're a lawyer, and there's probably plenty of lawyers watching this morning. But law, in fact, is the most divine occupation that humans engage in. Why is that? Because what law looks to do, it looks to shrink the gap between what is and what we want. Law looks to create a world, not of the way that things are, but of the way that we dream and hope that things can be. The Torah portion for this morning opening up with that simple law that if you have a slave, it will only work for six years and not for seven on the seventh year or in the sabbatical year, it will go free. What is it saying? It's saying that a people that emerge out of the cauldron of slavery that they are saying that there will be no eternal slavery, that no one can own somebody forever. And the fact of the matter is, what was slavery in ancient Israel? Amongst the ancient Jews, what was slavery? Slavery was a method where people could pay off their debts. You went to go work for somebody, and no matter how much you owed, come year seven, even if there was a balance still owing, it was wiped clean. The slavery that the Torah is imagining in this morning's Torah portion, immediately following the Ten Commandments and the exodus of the Jews out of Egypt, is a renunciation of everything they came from. They couldn't eliminate this idea entirely because people do get debts and people have to pay them off. It's an economic reality. But in the simplistic language of the legal jargon here, it's transforming the remarkable historical and moral lesson that the Israelites learned and went through. They knew what slavery was. They knew the horror of servitude. They knew what it was like to be born into a situation and die in the same situation and that nothing in your life would ever change that. They knew what it was like to live in a time and world where you own none of your own time. It was owned by somebody else. And through this act of legislation, they destroyed forever the concept that people could be enslaved. In short, this law, the first one from the Torah portion for this morning, reminds us that they learned from the experience of their servitude. And they were committed to ensure that no one would go through it again.
that although it didn't begin with them, it would end with them. The idea of what law and fact could create, it is the hope of building another kind of world. A world that is not created through storytelling, through the tales of people who undergo remarkable transformations. The long march of evolution in human society is more often exclusively created by people enacting laws to create a more just, tolerant, and better society. But I'll put it to you in another way. The other way I want to share it with you is the words of a, of a little known but remarkable American Jewish theologian from the past century. His name was Rabbi Max Kedushim. Kedushin had the unfortunate experience in his life. You know, sometimes in life it's not a, simply a question of what you know and how smart you are. Sometimes it's a matter of timing of when you're born. Kedushin was born and he worked roughly at the same time in the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York, the conservative rabbinic seminary, where great luminaries such as Abraham Joshua Heschel, Saul Lieberman, amongst many others who taught there, and he was overshadowed by them. But Kedushin, in many of his writings, this great idea emerges. He speaks of Judaism as being a concept of normative mysticism. What does he mean by that? He means that in somehow having this remarkable, esoteric, existential, dreamlike reality in your life, that everything that exists in the world is not all that there is in the world. And yet on the other hand, knowing and believing that your feet are on the ground, that you live in this world, and you're charged with building the world. Put it in another way, let me say it like this. Moses went on the mountain for 40 days, but he came down. This morning in the Torah portion, we are reminded that we do not live on mountaintops. Jews do not build monasteries that hang off the edges of mountains. We do not build ourselves places where we escape from the world. If anything, Jews are probably known for building shopping malls. The great Jewish project in this world is maybe to go to the mountaintops, but always to come down. It is to dream, but it is in the end to come back and make that dream a reality. In Parshat Mishpatim, in the Torah portion that we read beginning this morning, the rest of the Torah is uniquely devoted to building a world of law that can make the dreams a reality. And the entire story of the Jewish people thereafter, 63 volumes of the Talmud, thousands upon millions of words and books written by rabbis and others throughout all time, is a dream of taking people off the mountaintops and making the ground a little better for us all. Shabbat Shalom.